<laughs> All right, peoples, there we go. Go ahead and uh, sit on down, find a seat. There are a few seats in the front if you want to give it a shot and, uh, and try to walk up on here, just a couple, so you're going to have to sit in the outside lobby. But hey, good to, good to see you. Glad you're here. My name is Jake. I am a pastor here. I am the only pastor here, so um, it's very sad. So uh, we're just getting started with this thing. So glad you came. We're still two and a half months into this, and today we finally get to talk about my new favorite topic. We get to talk about heaven. You have no idea, like internally, the backflip that I am doing. I try a real backflip, but you don't want to see that, or maybe you do want to see that, um, but it's not going to happen. So we're going to talk about heaven today, um, but before we do, let me give you a confession. Prior to the loss of my daughter, prior to her stepping into heaven, I did not think about heaven hardly ever. It was like an afterthought. The afterlife truly was an afterthought. And, uh, and, and I taught on it. I was a pastor. I would teach on it, and I would tell you um, how to get to heaven. I would tell you it's better than the alternative of wherever you would go. Uh, but I didn't think about heaven. I didn't give it much thought in my life whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, Maggie steps into heaven, our life changed, and I have thought about heaven every day, multiple times throughout the day, nonstop. And it, it's just crazy. I have had this insatiable desire, this unquenchable like craving to learn, to know, and to understand everything that I could understand about heaven because I simply want to know the answer to the question of what is my daughter doing there? And so many of us have lost loved ones, and that is the question. What are they doing there? Um, when I took Maggie to her first preschool, right, when you go to preschool for the very first time, kind of like when you drop your kid off for college, you want to know the environment. And I remember going and learning what this is Maggie's cubby. It had her little name on it, and we would walk in, and she put her stuff in there, and this is her name on the wall, and here's where she sits on the carpet when they do story time. And it, I wanted to know what that environment was like, and it wasn't because I didn't trust the teachers, right? And I want to know what the environment of heaven is like, and it's not because I don't trust Jesus. I just want to know. Um, to picture it in my mind. And so I think that is natural. I think that's normal. I think that's common for a lot of people that when we ourselves are faced with death, like it's right in front of us, a diagnosis comes, we have, there's some sort of disease or um, death is impending, um, we think about it. When someone we love all of a sudden jumps right in there or they, they head to heaven or you know, they're faced with eternity, they get a diagnosis, heaven somehow jumps right onto our radar. And I think, honestly, that that is intentional um, by God. I think he allows it for a reason. He allows suffering. He allows um, us to struggle. He allows impending death to catch this, unfasten us from this earth and get us to thinking and starting to think about things above and to start thinking about him and put our mind on heavenly things. And so some of you are here and you're like there. You're like, I want to know. I am craving. I want to have, um, I, I want this information. What is it? Um, and, and, and that's because you've got something going on. There's either a death in your family. Maybe that's you personally. Um, whatever it is. But then there's others of us who are not there, you know? And we don't think about heaven. And it's not on our mind. And I'm telling you right now, eventually, eventually you will be thinking about eternity, I think it would probably be better to start sooner rather than later and not wait. The death rate, as everyone says, is still 100%. I found out that worldwide, um, someone dies every, three people die every second on this planet. 
which is crazy. That is 250,000 per day, 11,000 per hour, and 180 every minute, three people per second. And so if it hasn't affected you at this point in time, it will affect you. And it will happen. And eventually, and yet, somehow, inevitably, when we don't think about it, it doesn't jump into, even though all of us suffer from the same disease, which is mortality. And so we don't talk about heaven. And I don't know why. Pastors don't. I don't know about you, but growing up, I didn't have or hear a whole lot of sermons that were based on heaven, where they just talked about heaven. They talked, again, a lot about how to get to heaven, but not a lot about what heaven would be like. Wasn't a lot of description there. Um, there's a book by a guy named uh, uh, Wayne Gruden. I don't know if you've read it. Believe it or not, I have, um, which is crazy. This is called Systematic Theology for the Evangelical Church. This is the guideline. This is the holy grail of theology and whatnot. Just so that you know, there's a lot of info about the Holy Trinity. There's a lot of info about the church. There's a lot of info on a lot of things. But there are only three pages in this 1,289-page book that are allotted to heaven. That is less than a quarter of 1% are allotted to talking about heaven in this, which is the standard to all pastors of the evangelical church of what theology truly is like. And so therefore, we don't think about it. And it's absolutely astonishing to me um, that we pay that little attention to a place where we will spend, if we know Jesus, forever. That little attention. So imagine this. Imagine that you were to, uh, like you were going to take a trip to Mars, right? Because we're all imagining. So we could take a trip to Mars. You've been training. You're on the NASA team. You are buckled in. You're strapped in. You're on the launch pad. You're ready to go. You've been training for this for years. And all of a sudden, the person on the side of you taps over and says, hey, what do you think it's going to be like when we get to Mars? And you're like, I don't know. Haven't really thought about it. You know? You didn't, I didn't think about it. It wasn't in our training. That's crazy talk, right? That's crazy to think. When you're going to move across the country, right? Say you're going to move somewhere. Do you give any thought to the area in which you are going? For surely, you investigate, you research, but yet we don't give hardly any thought to where we will spend eternity if we know Jesus. And the result of that is a very skewed culture-wise perspective of heaven. In fact, I would say there's so many misconceptions, and I think that we have a lot of unbiblical views of what heaven will be like. So let me spend just a few moments before we talk about what heaven will be like to talk about what heaven won't be like. So first and foremost, you will not find a bunch of chubby baby angels floating on clouds with wings up in heaven, all right? That is not what heaven, that's just cartoons right there. That's a Pampers commercial. It is not... <laughs> what heaven is going to be like. Uh, we also probably won't be floating around. I think it would be cool if we could fly, but we're not going to be handed a harp when we walk in there in a white robe. We may have a white robe, but we're not going to be strumming a harp like blah, 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 for eternity, okay? That's not going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I love doing that. So good. Here's the one that a lot of people, a lot of Christians land on this picture of heaven. And this is not the picture of heaven, okay? They think of it as being the unending church service in the sky, 
right? You've been to a long service before, and you're like, oh, that was great. The only person it was great for was the pastor, because he was speaking that long. No, the deal is, is we're not going to be singing hymns forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and no one we're done with that, we're going to sing another hymn. We will sing in heaven, right? The Bible is very clear on that. But it was not going to be, on, you know, after an hour, I think I'll be good, you know? And then maybe after, I could pull an all-nighter, maybe do a one-day thing. But after that, I want to try something different. And God created us to do more than actually just sing. We will worship him, but catch this, you can worship Jesus in many different ways other than just singing. And so it will not be the unending worship service in the sky. It is not going to be like that. That's not what heaven will be like. It's not going to actually be boring. And I will spend in two weeks a lot of time talking about how it will not be boring um, and what that will exactly be like. But I'm not going to tackle that topic today. Here's another one that's a popular misconception. When we die, we do not become angels. Angels are angels. We are humans. If you didn't know that, there you go. All right? We are humans. And when we die and a bell rings, we do not get our wings. That's not how it works. Okay? I had lots of people tell me when, when Maggie passed away online that, oh, my gosh, ain't Maggie got her wings today. Or she, um, you know, she, uh, she's, you have a little angel in the sky. And I'm going to tell you this. Maggie was wonderful, but she wasn't an angel on earth. Right? <laughs> And she's not an angel in heaven. And so we do not graduate to become an angel. An angel is an entirely different being. And we could talk about that someday as well. Probably the biggest misconception, and this is super hard, is that not everybody gets into heaven. And so, in fact, the Bible says the road is narrow and few find it. And so there's few that will find the road to heaven. The only way into heaven is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to know him and to put our faith in him. And we will talk about that more at length as we go along. But not everybody goes into heaven. And when we do funerals, especially as pastors, it's super hard. When we know that the person that was there didn't have a relationship with Jesus, it's super hard because how do you answer that? How do you do those type of services? It's a difficult situation, but the road is narrow, and the only way to find it is through Jesus Christ. And I've got to tell you that truth right from the very beginning. A guy named uh, J.C. Riles, he's a British theologian, he said this. He said, I pity the man who doesn't think about heaven. And I think that the same thing could be said is this, I pity the man who doesn't think about heaven accurately. And so... <laughs> Heaven is calling right now. <laughs> I think the accurate question or the natural question is this, is what is heaven going to be like? And here's the thing. Can we truly understand? Can we comprehend? Can we imagine what heaven will be like? Believe it or not, most Christians say no. They say that you can't. And the reasons they say that is because of a verse that Paul said in 1 Corinthians. Here's the verse. You've probably heard it before. Um, and it was probably used to describe why we can't truly understand heaven. It says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul is talking about heaven. It is clear. But the problem with that is, is that most times when that verse is quoted, it is not finished. They finish verse 9, but they don't jump on to verse 10. And verse 10, there's a whole part there. You can't take the two thoughts apart. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but what God has prepared for those who love him. But, there is a but. 
God has revealed it, so he has shown us. He has shared it. He's given a glimpse to us by his spirit. Context. We always have to take scripture in context. And that is an amazing verse. And if you go on and read verse 13, it talks about the spirit being God's word. And that really, what he's saying is, Paul is saying this, he's saying we can get a glimpse of what heaven's like by looking at God's word and looking into God's word. But yet, when that verse is quoted, almost 90% of the time, if not 95% of the time, it is saying we can't imagine it, so let's not even try. But the truth is, it's saying in context that we can. And I believe that through God's word, we have been given a glimpse of heaven. We don't know it perfectly. We won't know it completely. But we have been given a glimpse. And through our biblical imaginations, we can get an idea of what heaven will be like. And so here's what I mean by biblical imaginations. It means we start with God's word. you got to always start there. And then use your God-given imagination to think what else would it be like to extend out and fill in the gaps. I think he gave us an imagination to be able to do that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given us clues about what heaven would be like. For example, the Bible talks about the beauty that will be in heaven. We can imagine that, can we not? We can get that. We can go there. We've seen beauty on this earth. We've seen a waterfall. We've seen, um, we've seen the beach. We've seen a sunset. We've seen those things. So we know beauty. We can comprehend that. Think about a feast. The Bible talks about a feast. We can imagine that. And the reason we can is we've all been to Chick-fil-A. We know what a great feast is like. It is a beautiful place. No, I mean, it'll be better than Chick-fil-A, which is hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine, easy to imagine on a Sunday. Oh. Such, a, such a double whammy, is it not? You're so proud of Chick-fil-A for, for honoring the Sabbath, but you're so angry when you're hungry on a Sunday. So... But we can imagine what a great feast will it be like. We can imagine what no tears will be like in heaven. We understand tears here. And if you have small kids, you may not be able to understand or imagine this for a while. But I hear eventually there are no tears and you will be able to imagine what it means to have no tears. There'll be no pain. There'll be no struggle in heaven. And so my goal, you guys, is simply this, is to paint a picture, the best picture, the most biblically accurate that I can picture of what heaven will look like, our home, the place that Jesus is preparing for us and that Jesus will live with us in for all of eternity. And so here's the good news, and this is what I love. Um, When I first started to look into this, I had a picture of what heaven would be like. And I found that the biblically accurate understanding of heaven was more exciting than what I had in my mind. I was blown away at what God was preparing for us because there were ways when I think about it, if we're honest, I would hear about heaven and I would kind of dread this part of it or that part of it, but then I truly started to look into it and I realized, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. So amazing that I look forward to it daily. It is like the light on the horizon. And so my hope is that you will be surprised by what you hear at the end of the series, that at that point in time, you will have a longing like I do, like my wife does, for heaven, and that hopefully, hopefully we will live differently in light of heaven that is coming here on earth today. So that is my hope in this series, because it's going to be so good. Heaven is going to be so, so good. And so let's talk about it. Um, I'm going to start with probably what could very well be a paradigm shift for most of us. 
when I looked at heaven, this was a paradigm shift for me. Because here's what I thought. I thought that when we die, we immediately go and we are with God and we are there with him for all eternity. And that is true. But what I didn't realize is that at some point in time, some point in history and, and, and whatnot on the timeline, heaven will move. Heaven is going to actually change locations and then we will change locations with it. And that was a total new thing to me. I wasn't ready for that. Most of us think that we just go to heaven and we're gonna stay there and somehow, I don't get this, how this theological truth that is in God's word has just been skipped over. It hasn't been taught. It's been ignored. Somehow, I don't think it's intentional, but it's been missed. And the reality is this, is that we are going to live in a new heaven and a new earth. We are going to live in a new heaven in a new earth. They're both of those things. Here's what it, just so you know, I'm not going out of crazy left field. And really, First Thessalonians says, test whatever I say to make sure it's good with God's word. But here's God's word. God said, I will create new heavens and a new earth. I missed that. Somehow I always just think he's going to create the heavens. And I missed that. We're, oh, there's a new earth. What is that? What the word new there means is it means renewed or better than it was before. God also said, as surely as my new heavens and my new earth will remain, so will you always be my people. He's saying that the new heavens and the new earth will last for all of eternity. Peter said this, he said, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. He's looking forward to it. He's longing for it. And then John said, I saw, and he saw this in a vision or a dream, a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We will live on a new heaven and a new earth. So let me try to explain this the best I can through pictures. All right, so here we are. Here's the first picture. This is earth, right? And you guys are like, wow, Jake, I'm learning so much. So <laughs> that's our home. That's where we live. That's our place. That's our residency. And somewhere out, and I don't know where, but I do know it's a place because Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, a tangible place. Now, that place could be somewhere in the universe, could be somewhere in another dimension. We're not really sure. We just know that somewhere out there is heaven. Okay, and when I made this picture, I know that heaven is a city, so I put skyscrapers on there in the beginning, and then I decided that's not good. I don't want to go there. I want to go where there is a Disney castle, and so I <laughs> put it back in and made a Disney castle so it was more appealing to me personally. It's really hard to actually figure out what could heaven look like, so I just made it like that. All right, so there you go. That's heaven. That is where we go when we die. If we pass away, we immediately are separate from our bodies, and then we are immediately in that moment, thief on the cross, with God in paradise, in heaven. Paradise is where God is. But what's interesting is probably a better term for this than just heaven is the intermediate heaven. Because heaven is going to move. Heaven is going to change. Heaven is going to relocate. So this is what is known as the intermediate or the present heaven. So when Maggie died, she went to the present heaven, to the intermediate heaven. And here's what's going to happen. It's that somehow, Scripture tells us this, sorry to be morbid, but this is going to happen to the earth. It's going to die in some way. I don't know how, we don't know how, but we just know that the earth will pass. So all those Armageddon things, yeah, that's going to happen at some point in time, but it's nothing to fear because at that point in time, we will go to the immediate heaven if we know Jesus, right? 
And then what is great is just like a volcano, if there is ash and lava and it hits the ground and it just destroys every living thing, somehow the beauty of God has recreation inside of the DNA of all things. We will live on a renewed earth. And hear me on this. I believe, not everyone believes this, I believe it will be this earth. I believe it will be this earth where the garden was originally put. I believe it will be here. And when that happens, what is even more amazing is that the intermediate heaven will move from that location and become the new heaven on the new earth. That's how it goes. So heaven literally will move to earth and we will live here for all eternity. It says that there will be a new Jerusalem. It'll be a new city. And in the center of that city will be a garden. And I like that garden will be like the garden, you know, in the very, very beginning. It'll be at the center of the city. And so I'm going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth at length. All right, this is our forever heaven. This is where we will stay forever. I'm going to talk about that at length in two weeks from now. But today, what I want to do is I want to answer, so you got to shift here. This is what, when most, um, when, when most people talk about heaven and most scripture comes in, they're talking about the eternal heaven, the new heaven, and the new earth. All right, but I want to spend the rest of our time today, and I want to talk about the intermediate heaven and what that is like. So where heaven is like in its current state, state and its current location right now. So that we have, like if you've lost someone, you know, hey, that's what they are experiencing. Or if you, um, you know, if you know this is where I will go, this is what I will experience. So let's talk about that. One thing to make clear right before I do that, though, is this is not purgatory. Okay, that's a, that's a Catholic deal, purgatory, that you would go and that all of a sudden you have to be purified in the process to enter into heaven. That is not this because God is there, the angels are there, and it's not, there is no suffering or purification process. This is where heaven, it is fully heaven because God is fully there, but it will change. And that's why we call it the intermediate heaven. So let's talk about this. I'm going to go into one passage in Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. It's three little verses. And I'm going to take those and I want to pull those apart so that we can learn a lot. This gives us a great glimpse into what the intermediate heaven looks like. It's written by a guy named John. It was through a a dream. This is the disciple who I talked about last week um, who uh, wanted to make sure everybody knew that Peter was slower than him or that he was faster than Peter running to the empty tomb. But this is him. And here's what he says, and listen carefully to these words as we go through. It says, when he, and he is being the lamb or Jesus, opened the fifth seal, I, and this is John talking here, I saw under the altar, and the altar is inside of the intermediate heaven, the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony of them they had maintained. Friends, these are humans that passed away because of their stand for Christ. They are martyrs, so they are humans, not angels, not God himself. These are humans. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And what they're asking for is they're asking for justice. They want justice. They were killed for their faith, and they want justice for that, and they're wondering how long they have to wait for that. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and their sisters, were killed just as they had been. These are three verses that is packed full of so 
much info. And what I'm going to do, and I don't normally do this, I'm going to rocket fire info at you because we don't have time to go over it in depth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 11 quick observations about what the new intermediate or the intermediate heaven is. And so if you want to write them down, this would be it, the time to do that. But what I want you to remember is these are martyrs. These are humans that died on this earth, moved to the intermediate heaven, right? And we're going to talk about what they experience, what life is like for them. And I believe it is rational, logical, and even reasonable to think that what applies to them will apply to us and will apply to our loved ones while we're there. There's no reason to think they think that it wouldn't. So here's the first thing. First thing is that they relocated to heaven. They were somewhere on earth. They died on earth. They relocated into heaven. Verse 9 talks about that, especially when it talks about the altar and being in heaven. Number two, they have the ability to talk. They can communicate. So when we get to heaven, we'll be able to communicate. In verse 10, it says, they called out. They called out so they can speak. Number three, this is great. There's unity in heaven. There is unity in heaven. How did they call out? They called out in a loud voice. They didn't call out in loud voices. So they have unity inside of the intermediate heaven. Number four, they are free to ask questions. And this is awesome because you know what this means? That they have an audience with God. How crazy is that? They have an audience with God. They can ask him questions. And what's crazy is that he will respond. And the fact that they're asking questions lets us know that they have the ability, still have the ability to learn. And so that's cool. Um, here's the big one, probably the biggest one um, most of you will have is this, is they are aware of what's happening on earth. They are aware of what's happening on earth and possibly hell because they're asking for the question in verse 10, what about my killers? What about the, the guys who took our lives? When will they face judgment? And the question, you guys, that I get more than any other question when it comes to heaven is simply, can my loved one see and hear me? Can they see and hear me? And there's a lot of evidence. There's this, and there's even more evidence outside of this would say, yeah, it's not a for sure thing, but if I had to take a stab, if I had to guess as a pastor, um, I would say, yeah, I think that they can hear us and see us because they knew what was happening here. Sometimes I will talk to Maggie, you know? I'll just take the time, and maybe it's just therapeutic for me, but just talk to Maggie and ask her how she's doing today. She's never responded um, at this point in time, but I, you know, I, I believe that she can see and that she can hear what's going on inside of there. And then the question will naturally come up then is if they can see and they can hear us, then how can that be heaven if they can see the pain that we are in? And I think the truth is is that both can happen. They can see and miss us and not feel pain. Your loved one, if they are in heaven, they are in complete peace. Do they miss you? Yes, right? Are they in pain? No, 100%. Will they be excited when you get there? Absolutely. Will that be a good day? Well, I think so. It'll be a good day. But they are in heaven, and they can see and hear, and somehow, through God's great power, they don't feel pain, or they're not upset of what they see here on earth. Next one is this, number six. Uh, they can remember their lives on earth. So we will be able to remember our lives on earth. These guys, they were able to remember that they were murdered, that they were uh, killed, and that they are martyrs. So if they can remember that piece of fact, then I'm sure that they can probably remember other things as well. 
Uh, number seven is this, is that they are distinct individuals. I think this is important, that they don't just go up into heaven and we all become one spirit. And you might think so because it's said in there, they called out in one voice, right? They called out. But right here in verse 11, it says, then each of them was handed a white robe. So they are, we are, will be distinct individuals. The same individuals that we are here on earth will be the same person. Number eight is huge for me, and this is a big one. We'll spend a little bit more time on it. White robes suggest, and I just say suggest, the possibilities of physical bodies up into the intermediate heaven. Uh, the robes could be figurative. They truly could. But at the same time, you know what? They could be physical as well. Here's what I do know for sure. When we reach the eternal heaven, the new heaven and the new earth, and they come together, we will get new bodies. They will be great bodies. They'll look much like the one you see right here in front of you. Okay? They're going to be perfect in every shape and form. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Lord help us. All right. So here the deal is, is that we will get new bodies. We know that is the case. But what we don't know for sure is whether or not we have bodies in the intermediate heaven at this point in time. If I had to guess on this one, I would also say, I think probably there are some evidences that say that there very well could be um, um, bodies and physical state inside of heaven. And here's how I know that. One, to be human, you need to be mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. Another reason is these white robes and the fact that they called out, which insinuates they probably have some sort of vocal cords um, and some sort of physical state. Um, at the transfiguration, when Jesus was at the mountain and all of a sudden he turned all white, who was there? Moses and Elijah, and they said, we need to build tents for them. They were freaking out. The, the disciples were. They didn't know what to do. But what's crazy is they didn't freak out and go, oh, my gosh, who are those ghosts? They saw them as bodies and individuals. So it gives us an idea that at least those two, for a temporary point in time, had bodies, physical bodies. And I know for sure there's at least one physical body in the intermediate heaven without a doubt, without reservation, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Because he is God incarnate, that means he has a body and he will have a body for all eternity. He was the first to rise from the dead. And so therefore, if he has a body, then it, it very well we could either have temporary bodies or some sort of encasing, if you will, that look like we are here today. And so that's the best I know on that one. So do I know, is Maggie's body big or small? I don't know. Um, is it going to be big and small on the new earth? I'm not sure. Um, but I know that she's going to get a new body, and right now, if I had to take a guess, I'm sure she does have a body. I know her soul is at complete peace at this point in time with Jesus. Nine is this. There is, a, um, there is time in the intermediate heaven. This one shocked me, because you think, oh, you get to heaven and time disappears, right? But look at what they ask in verse um, uh, 10. It says this, how long must we wait? How long must, me what must we wait? Which means that there is some sort of time that is actually there. Uh, number 10 is that we don't immediately know everything when we step into heaven. This one's interesting. I always hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'll know and I'll have all the answers. But apparently they didn't have all the answers because they're still asking God questions. And what's cool is God is answering those questions. And the last one, it's definitely a big one is this, is that God is in control. God is in control in the intermediate heaven, which means we have peace. He told them that they need to wait a little bit longer. And so to know that God is in control and he has his hands not only on the things that happen here on this earth, and he's present with those, but he has his hands on everything that happens in heaven.
And so those are the observations. Those are the things that we know about the intermediate heaven, the present heaven where our loved ones are right now and where we will go unless Jesus comes back um, to stay for a period of time. And so why do I tell you that? What does that all mean? What is my point? Here's my main point is this, is that heaven offers hope. We just did a series on pain and we talked through the depth of pain that we feel and we all recognize that reality and how hard it truly is to be human and to live on this planet and to go through the things and the crap that we go through and how hard that is and to lose someone, to love someone, then to lose someone and then to walk through and why do they have this and I don't have that and it's just this life is so painful. And so why would you have hope except for the fact that heaven provides that through Jesus Christ? Heaven offers hope hope. Life hurts, but heaven heals everything. Remember, I said that some pain is permanent, and then I lied because heaven makes pain go away. It heals it. A lot of times we adjust to pain on this planet, but we heal from pain in heaven, and it's gone. It's obliterated, and maybe that is you today. Maybe you went to this pain series that you had, and that just depressed you all the more coming here, and all we were talking about, all these people in pain, right? Well, maybe that's you. I'm here to tell you that heaven offers hope, that you have hope through Jesus Christ. And in fact, here's what Jesus said. This is beautiful. He said this to his disciples about heaven. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And if that's you today and you're sitting in that place where you're like, oh, my heart is troubled, then hear these words from Jesus directly to you because they are given directly to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have put your trust in God. Now, here's the thing. Some of us have, some of us haven't. But I'm begging you, if you haven't, then you should and you still can. Put your trust, or your faith, or your hope in me also. Now he's going to talk about heaven. There are many rooms in my father's house. If it were not so, I would, n I would have told you. I am going away, which this is crazy. He's already done this to prepare or to make a place for you. After I go and make a place for you, and this is the good news, I will come back and take you to be with me. Then, and please use your biblical imaginations, you may be where I am. We get to be with Jesus without fear, without tears, without pain, without struggle, without separation, without loss, forever, forever. Heaven offers that hope. We get to be with Jesus in his presence in a perfect state forever. That means always. That means eternity and evermore. And when that day passes, we get to do the next one. That's how long we get to be with Jesus. That is the hope. That is the great news of the gospel and the hope that we have in heaven. I'm going to try to conclude this by using an illustration, but I truly will need your help in this process. Otherwise, someone may get hurt, okay? I don't have a noodle this time. So, um, John, where are you, even though I need your help here? So, I'm going to explain. I'm going to my office. Thank you. You can hang right over there. Thank you, brother. All right, this is a rope. Yes, you've caught onto that. And on this right here, this little section here that's in green with duct tape, green duct tape, represents your time on earth. This is a timeline. This is our timeline. This right here is the moment you were born. You were brought into the earth. 
Baby is there. You smiled. Your parents were so excited. And then you were raised. You went through middle school. That kind of sucked. Um, and then you kept going, and somehow life got better, or maybe it didn't. Maybe it even got worse. But somehow you do all this work, and you work, and you strive, and you work, and you strive, and you work, and you strive, and you work, and you strive. For what? So that we can make enough money so that we can spend this part of our life right here in retirement, the good years, this part. We'll just enjoy this. We're going to savor this part right here. And then eventually what happens is that we eat, reach the end of our time on earth and we enter into eternity. We enter into eternity, right? And what's crazy, and the Bible talks about this, this is nuts, is that what happens in this little part here and this little section right here, the decisions that you make, the choices that you do, affect all of this. Every single bit of this. So, John, help me. I want to give you some small idea of what heaven will be like. Lauren, you're going to have to make sure this doesn't hurt anybody. So there we go. It is so long. And just need to understand it. When we are doing this part of it, watch yourself right here because it might hit you. It is so long, you guys. It just keeps going and going out of the room. Hi, guys. It's good to see you guys close. Out the door, back in. Aaron, will you help pull that right there? Thank you, brother. Nice. There you go. Be strong. There we go. Perfect. It keeps going and go like the Energizer Bunny. It's amazing. So it keeps going. And you think like, hey, you know what happens at this point in time? I don't know, but it keeps going over and over again. We're going to go right through here. Come on right through here. Thank you. Mike, um, yeah, help. Thanks. Watch your feet. I'll get this part. Oh, good. There's no baby inside of that little carriage right there. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you got it there, Anna. There you go, perfect turn. Right, now I want you to get some level of perspective, right? Thank you, guys. That was good. Nice. Here's the question, right? What do we spend all our time focusing on? This little section right here. Right here. This is all we think about. When we plan our lives, what do we plan it for? This. This little section right here. So we could really enjoy it, right? There's a lot more to consider. Do you not think so? A lot more to consider. I want you to imagine, if you will, right? I just walked out of this room into another room over to here. Imagine that rope went out a window down to where your car is parked. It's even that long. And then we tied it to the back of your bumper, and you drove home. It still keeps going. And then you take that car and you go on a road trip and you head out of Washington because you need some sun, right? You need some hope. And so you head out of there and you head all the way across the country to the other side and you realize, oh my gosh, this is the East Coast. There's no hope here. I got to keep going, okay? <laughs> and so you get on a boat and you go all the way across the ocean and then you said, you know what? I got to go up higher to where God is truly at. So you get in a plane and the rope keeps going and you wrap the world once and you're like, well, I didn't see it. I'll take another loop and then I'll go again and I'll go again and I'll go again. Right then, on that day, as long as that is, you just started to get a perspective of how long and how good eternity is. Are you following me on that? What happened here makes all the difference. Why am I so excited about heaven? Guys, come on. How do you not get excited about how great this is and how long we get to do it? It's insane. And we're so worried about this. 
What happens here affects here. But Jesus came here for us into our world to give us hope. What is that hope? It is heaven. It is heaven. You guys, we have hope in heaven. And that is amazing. It is so amazing. Let me pray for you, okay? Let me pray.